Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Nürburgring 24-hour special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Uh, what, you stayed at Nürburgring for 24 hours? You took 24 hours to get to Nürburgring? What, what's this? What is this you are telling us about, Alan? That actually sounds... I think both of those are true, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Well, now, now that winter is definitely upon us, and it is cold and it's wet, and we're probably huddled inside around fires and stuff, uh, I thought I'd tell you all about a, a weekend back in June, where the uh, sun was beating down, the sun cream was being lathered on, and it's basically the absolute opposite of how we all feel right now. But it gives you a good chance to plan for the coming summer, really. Um and why you should add the Nürburgring 24 to your list of, of at the very least, your consideration list of of uh, events to go to uh, whenever the summer comes around. Okay. Get planning, folks. <laughs> so what is the Nürburgring 24 hour, then? Uh, well, the trip that I went on was a fine jolly uh, organised by, by Hyundai. Um, so so there's a certain Hyundai slant to all of this. Um but that was because they lent us cars and fed us beer and sausages and stuff. And, and, and let's face it, that's, uh, that's rather good as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so uh, 2019 was the 47th running of the Nürburgring 24 hours. Uh, it is 24 hours of lapping the 25 kilometer combination of the Grand Prix and Nordschleife circuits. Okay. Uh, there. It's an absolutely massive, massive event. Uh, uh, okay, so there are, or there were, where's the best one? There'll be a linky to this in the show notes, but it's all the numbers. Uh, there are 158 vehicles involved, 580 drivers. Um, there are 210 vehicles on the three-hour test race. Uh, there is another 174 vehicles for the Rundstrecken Challenge, uh, which is a sort of performance test. Uh, and then there are, there, there are, as I say, those 158 vehicles lapping the Nürburgring all at once. Okay. There are, I've forgotten the number now, I think it was well over 100,000 uh, spectators. Okay. Car parking spaces for sixty thousand people. There were eight eighty thousand sausages and seven to eight tons of French fries eaten over the four days of of the event. But it's people. This is part part of people's summer holiday. Oh, okay. In many cases, um, and it's it's quite nuts because people are there from the week from just after the weekend before, uh, getting the best camping spaces, getting the best. Um, just uh, building these amazing, I want to say shelters, and they're not really. They, they are con- constructions, <laughs> um, multi-story in some cases, uh, scaffold-built, uh, multi-tent things uh, near the circuit so they can see stuff, so they can camp in it, so they've got their own little mini bars. It is just the most... It's It's a festival with a race that happens to be taking place. Okay. Uh, so if you want to know more about the race, and, and I'm going to be honest, the race was kind of secondary to all of this. Uh, it was only much, much later that I discovered who had been in the lead. Uh, part of that is because, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? And it was terrible at the time. But there's, there's, there was, uh, 
sure there was live timing, but there wasn't always phone signal. Okay. Uh, and all the commentary was in German. All right, you you keep sticking to these defenses, and Alan. You it was, and, and and there was beer. Everyone, there was beer, <laughs> and there were times when you're walking around away from the circuit, so it was very difficult. Just for the record, it was the Audi R R8 LMS Evo of Phoenix Racing that won, having having done 157 laps uh, in uh, in 24 hours, and that was a particularly high number. Okay, do you happen to know how high end I did? Bearing in mind that the lovely people from Hyundai had put you up, uh, I know that they won their class. Excellent, which was great, a... great motorsport reporting. If I remember Alan. rightly, <laughs> if I remember rightly, it was it was that they were pretty much in in their own class. Um, was was one of the it, Hyundai's one of the cars that lost a wheel? Yes. Okay. Because I'm trying yes, to remember was, back uh, to those. Those sunny, well, glorious days, whilst I watched snippets on uh, online of the race and uh, just thought how much of a git you were for actually being there. Yeah. So uh, there were three Hyundai uh, entered. There was an i30 NTCR, a Veloster NTCR, and an i30 Fastback N. Uh, they were placed in the end in 45th, 94th, and 97th. But the Veloster and the Fastback had a really tough time of it. Uh, as you can tell by by the placing, uh, there were accidents. There were there were all sorts of all sorts of things happening. Okay, uh, but they did rather well actually. Right. So how did you how did you get there then? Come on, how did you get there? Because you said so, that you yes. said you've implied that it took you a while to get there. So you you obviously didn't blat across the European continent to rush there as quickly as possible to rub it in a bit well, more. It, it, it felt like I did, to be honest, because we were kind of, as I say, the people started out from the beginning of the week. So we were, we were terrible latecomers arriving on the, the Friday afternoon. Uh, so what happened was um, each armed with a, armed with a Hyundai, funnily enough, <laughs> uh, we all blatted out from, from the UK on the Thursday and then all met up at, uh, all met up in very northern France, almost in Belgium. Uh, so we headed uh, right across to to just north of Rheims mm-hmm. or Haas uh, in northern France, uh, and say so met up there, stayed overnight, or as much of the night that was was left by the time some of us got there. And by some of us, you mean um, you? <clears throat> I, I mean myself. I, I, I uh, yeah, yeah, and some were later than me as well. Yeah. But I I still managed two o'clock in the morning. So, Ooh, uh, ouch! So yeah, yeah, it was it was a bit ouchy. And naturally, of course, I had, as is the way with this, an absolutely massive hotel room with its own sitting area and all the usual things that happen when you arrive very very yep. late at a hotel. That's the law. I'd have to leave. That's in the, the law. It is the law. See the yes. Uh, so blatted across there. Uh, I had for that stretch. I had a one, uh, an i thirty fastback N line with a one point four liter engine. Um, you might turn your noses up at the one point, the idea of the one point four liter engine, but to be perfectly honest, on the auto route at eighty three miles an hour, it was just fine, mm-hmm. um, and it trundled across there. I'll talk about. I think we've got some more. At some point, we have another uh, Hyundai i thirty fastback review coming up, so we we'll do. talk a bit more about it then. And it it, it sat quite happily uh, on the, uh, uh, at the at the limit then. Uh, the next day, swapped it for swapped that uh, as we played musical cars for the i30N fastback, 
uh, and that took me through the Ardennes in um, in in Belgium, where not a single slab of pate was consumed. Uh, across Luxembourg, which is actually really quite a pretty little country, you kind of forget how nice it is around there. And then into Germany, um, and we went from from absolutely empty country roads. Uh, so empty that at one point I had to stop and take a reset break, uh, and uh, which is uh, if you keep on like this, Alan, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then as we entered Germany, as we we got closer and closer to to the Nurburgring, then the roads got busier and busier and busier uh, until we reached our little teepeed uh, oasis uh, beside uh, to the Camping Am Nurburgring. So it was it was. The campsite butted right up against the circuit, okay. uh, well, pretty much right up against the circuit. Um, but thankfully, we were on the other side. Yeah, we're on the other side in our own little, our own little um, oasis of peace and quiet, really. Because <laughs> what you've got to realise is that there is uh, that's the number one. I, I just love the nerd numbers that go around this because they're also massive. One point three million square meters of camping for the Nurburgring Twenty Four. It's um, quite a bit. Yeah, and and it is full. Uh, when I say full, I mean like if people roll over in one caravan, they pretty much nudge the people in the next caravan. <laughs> that type of type of full, uh, and the whole thing it, it 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 was all a little bit Mad Max, because um, because people really prep for it. So even if they're not the kind of people who are, I'm not going to say wild camping, but camping in the woods at Brun. Uh, and apologies for my pronunciation on these. Um, and and out that way, and out in the further reaches of the track, um, then and they're in one of the campsites. Then they're they're still. It's it's a little less wild, maybe, but they're still setting up. Um, you know, they're still setting up private bars, and there are. 50-inch LCD TV so that they can watch the race when they're back at their tent-stroke, caravan-stroke, whatever. So these are professional 24-hour watchers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is this is part of the year. No, no lightweights that say, you know, wander about and forget there's a race on and things like that. Um, I think no, I don't think that that's a very fair comparison because I think that some of them, it's quite possible that many of them are forgetting there's a race on. So you might yeah, but they may that, forget they've got actually, feet by the sounds of it as well. <laughs> well, some of them. To be honest, everyone was saying that the ca- camping was quieter this year than previous years, but that might have been because of the good weather, and so more people spent more time out at the track. Right. Um, because they weren't, they weren't being rained on. It was gloriously warm and sunny all the way through, which is why 157 laps, wasn't it, yeah. uh, from the winning Audi, is, is a particularly high number because there weren't really many safety cars or, or many slows or, or, or slow periods or rain or anything like that. So there weren't the same hold-ups. Okay. I mean, there were slow areas of the circuit for times whilst people were scooped off it. <laughs> but um, But, yeah, it wasn't that wasn't that bad but i mean the the bar setups the discotheque i mean it's it's an entire event in itself just the whole festival part of it mm-hmm. and actually what's amazing when you think about it, uh, when you compare it to you know the mud mires that you see of, of festivals here and it might well be because the weather was so good of course is that um it is that it is so incredibly neat and tidy uh and and 
and there's there's no rubbish. Partly because, of course, you get a fairly big amount for returning your bottles and returning your your, your beer cans uh, to the stores afterwards. But the whole thing, just the whole atmosphere, uh, was was quite incredible. Even just in the campsite, mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was nuts. And you could wander around. There were awesome cars just parked. <laughs> Around the place, Rica, and covered in dust and crap and everything else, and because it was, you know, it was so dry, and just everything got dusty, and um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite something. Just, just the campsite, the campsite itself, you could go for the weekend, and you know, somebody set up a, there was a a disco tent in the middle of the campsite <laughs> i mean there was uh, there were other bits on the edge of the campsite there was there was you know full concerts going on into the night and and people had sort of laser lights lighting up the whole place uh you were woken up in the morning to the to the delicate tones of of um uh not just of the cars but but more of the um you know german heavy metal Rammstein, yes. etc. I mean, you could, could barely go, barely go ten feet without that. You know, you, you get just get out of out of earshot of one group of people playing, you know, German, uh, you know, German heavy metal before you're into German techno before you're back into German heavy metal again. Okay. Uh, so, so if if you like that kind of stuff, that kind of music, uh, if that's really your thing, then you could almost just go for the concert and go for the uh, go for all that kind of stuff. Uh, and and again, completely ignore any of the racing, but just the heat and the dust and the music and the smell of the sausages. Everyone barbecuing, obviously. I mean, that eighty thousand was just the number of official. Yes. Wurst sold. Uh, never, never mind the number of people who were putting on some pretty private sizable sausages. barbecues for their own group. <laughs> yes, the private sausage. A lot of that in Germany. Okay, so when you got there, what, what you you've thrown your bags in your posh teepee. You've, you've, the cars are, are tinkling away as it's lovely. As they had cool, an electric blanket as they cool and down and everything. Well, no, they, what they've been doing uh, at this point, there were some of those support races from the day on the few days before. So we went out on a on the big Friday night explore to try and work out where the campsite was, how we got around, where are our. Uh, seats in the stand and 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 sort of food and stuff was and just go out and get a feel for what there was before the race started so we'd know roughly where we needed to go and where, where we needed to come and for those of us who were who were, were, were first timers um at the the n24 or who hadn't been to the nurburgring for well over a decade in my case uh, to remember where everything was and um how everything went together so we went on a big Friday night explore. Uh, this this involved learning from learning from past experiences, and you've never seen a PR so happy as when he's handing out cheap uh, drinks backpacks. <laughs> so um, so 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 Camelback sort of copies um, for for hiking and stuff, uh, and because this, based on last year's experience, was going to be the most economical way of carrying beer with you on the big Friday night explore. Okay. They've thought of everything. Well, you see, the year before, the bottles are very heavy and bulky, so you can't really carry that many of them with you. You know, when we've got massive cool boxes full of them at, at the campsite, then it makes sense to take some with us. Uh, so, so yeah, this, is, this was refinement of the idea. <laughs> 
the beer backpacks. I, I will point out to anyone else who wants to try this, it's very difficult to pour beer into one of those uh, flexi sacks without it forming a massive head. And the other trouble is it does end up a little bit gassy. Okay. She's going around, yeah? As you, as you jiggle. As you jiggle, yes. Uh, well, not so much as you jiggle, just generally because you poured it. You, you don't realise just how much uh, CO2 is coming off the top of, of, of a pint of beer until you sort of captured it, really. Okay. But no, uh, ab- which is absolutely awesome. Uh, so out. Up round to the to 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 the main part, and we got some of the some of the, the 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 cool touristy stuff in just when the light was absolutely perfect. So currywurst mm-hmm. with uh, fritz sauce, and and then up in the Ferris wheel to just. I mean, if you're going to the Nurburgring Twenty Four or any other big event at the, at the, the Nurburgring, and it's a lovely evening, go on the Ferris wheel that they set up you're right at the highest point of the circuit just amazing views across the uh across the countryside uh, across the eiffel mountains across the the racetrack the the actual the nurburgring castle in the background and um it was it was it was wonderful it was really that i i know this sounds terrible but going on the ferris wheel was one of the highlights because the <laughs> views were spectacular really was no it was just so cool that that you get this this just this the view and all the people and all the everything and it just gave you the atmosphere and you know there's crazy german techno in the background and there's the smells of the chips and the sausages and that you have another sip of beer and it's just a full immersive experience is what you're explaining to us it really it really was and it's it's the experience that i think is is the 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 bit that I'm really trying to get over and probably failing miserably, but it was so, it was so cool. It was just so amazing. Excellent. Um, to, to, to get that. And, and that's anyone can do that, by the way, if you have a ticket for the race, you can get into the pits, you can get into the, the paddock here, you can get into most of the paddock areas. You can't get to park Fermi, obviously, uh, but you can go and you can see, and you can experience even before the race has, begun proper because mm-hmm. you know quite a lot of people arrive later on the friday night or even the saturday morning um you know to join their mates that have been the advanced party <laughs> um but it's it's i mean we were so lucky with the weather and everything uh, th- th- this year uh, because sometimes it can be a horrible miserable festival of damp um <laughs> this year was spectacular I and mean, people complained that the racing wasn't as spectacular as a result but um, I was dry. <laughs> but no, the, the whole the whole atmosphere uh, around them was was just superb, just just amazing. Well, loath though I am to pry, uh, to pry you away from the Ferris wheel, so there was this little race thing that was there as well. There so, was this so do you want to tell thing. us a little bit about that? Well, it started on the Saturday. It started about three o'clock on Saturday, uh, but before that. There were just so many. I mean, I'll probably cheesily add in some audio at this point because, goodness me, I took an awful lot of audio, which is one of the reasons why this has taken so long to come out, actually. <laughs> um, just, I, I took so much of it, and quite a lot of it is incoherent, semi-drunken rubbish. Um, but, which, again, is one of the reasons why this has taken so long to come out. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, the pit walk, the... Uh, the pit walk and the 
and just the the pits and the, the the paddock and everything, the accessibility that people got was amazing. Yeah. You're wandering along, and 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 they're they're almost rolling over your toes uh, if you're not careful. <laughs> uh, getting the cars out, taking their own little team photos with the the, the drivers. Uh, so everyone is is just there, and sure, the drivers are, are concentrating and, and and things. It's not really a time for for for, for photos, but you can see all the cars up. Right up close. I mean, you can sort of peer over and look through the window and try not to touch anything, just in case you break it, because that would be really bad. Yes, but, um, to not even have but, made the start. <laughs> yes. Quite disappointing. But, <laughs> yes. So the, I mean, it, it takes, it's, it, it, yeah, you can get right up. And, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the pits. And that's you know, and I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm not. The pits are absolutely swarmed, uh, and then you can even go out onto the onto the grid. I mean, there's none of this um, Formula One style. Oh my goodness, look! It's, it's only the the starlets who have no idea what's happening who can get out onto the on onto the grid and, and onto these. It's just everyone. Yeah. It's everyone, especially in the pits. Absolutely everyone. Um, uh, and then around comes three o'clock, uh, and the race starts. The start itself, as they release the one hundred and fifty whatever cars in batches, takes about twenty minutes. And that's class related, I presume. It is class related, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's that, and then they wait a couple of minutes, and then the next lot, just so that not everybody is piling into the first few calls. So, are they the same time. letting the quickest or the slowest out first uh quickest out okay. first so that they're on the far side of the track by <clears> the time the slowest have finally basically left. that's the idea yeah. otherwise the there's idea, going to be lots yeah. of people catching up and doing risky maneuvers while tires are cold on the first lap yeah it's that kind okay. of thing yeah okay. uh, 20 minutes might be an exaggeration but it felt like 20 minutes um but you know they they batch release the cars the sound obviously is is incredible. There's everyone standing in the stands, and 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 all the people who are over in the, you know, above the pits are all up on the up on the roof there, and all standing watching. And and it, it's it's quite something. Of course, the biggest roar of um, the biggest roar of of appreciation is always for the Opal Manta Foxtail Foxtail Manta, yeah. which goes round. Uh, and it was almost out this year. It had a tough that was race. A big thing. It had a really tough race. I mean, it was even. It had an even tougher race than the Hyundai had. Um, and and just when it went back out after that great long pause, yeah. uh, when everybody thought that it was, oh, it's it's out of the race. The cheer that came from everywhere was massive. Yeah, because it just made it back out, didn't it? You could almost time. hear it. Following round, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It just got back out, so that it wasn't it wasn't uh, classed as a DNF, uh, but it was, it was it was still not great. But it was such a it's one of those cool comebacks. I mean, the reasons that the, the two of the Hyundai's were down there was because they were they were caught. One was if I remember rightly, one was caught in an accident, um, and uh, and and they're in in the pits for maybe two hours. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's pretty pretty serious. When something happened, there is time because it's a twenty-four hour race. Is of course time to sort of try and fix some of these things, but uh, but yeah, it's still it's still cool. Whenever people see something that's come out, it's, it's, it's a big 
big fan draw, then there is, of course, a huge cheer as it as it goes around and as it comes out. Yep. Just after the race start, I hammered it from our, our zone up in the up in the stands, uh, round to the to above the Hyundai garage, where I went and I had a bit of a chat with a Thomas Schmierer. Uh, her Schmierer is the executive vice president and head of product division, product operation, and the N subdivision. So not doesn't do much Hyundai. then. <laughs> so he doesn't do much. <laughs> had a bit of a chat with him i recorded it funnily enough being a podcast uh so here it is just about now well it's not just now it's after just after i've given the background noise caveat um of this was this was you know a suite above a working pit lane uh with a chap who was speaking really quite softly so my apologies to the amount of background noise. We have tried to to, to minimise it as much as possible. Um, so yeah, apologise apologies for any background noise, but it's well worth keeping it because of the interesting stuff he had to say. Uh, as far as the motorsport side uh, with, with you guys goes, you're relatively new to motorsport in Europe, aren't you? Mm-hmm. It's uh, not very long. Uh, so how's How's that going? How do you feel that, that Hyundai's fitting into the European motorsport arena and, uh, and, and just all the different formulas? Really? I guess uh, we just started with WRC with mm-hmm. Rally Cross a couple of years ago. We have been very successful since uh, then. Uh, and then uh, my good old friend Albert Biermann uh, yes. was uh, hired by uh, Hyundai Motor Group. Uh, in 2015, if I remember correctly, um, to emotionalize the brand. And this is, um, from my point of view, a very good good reason to start with N and with Motorsport, um, um, I would say, in addition to that. That means, um, as I mentioned before, we started with the World Rally Cross, and mm-hmm. we, we also... Um, started a little bit later on with World Touring Car and Touring Car Championship. Yeah. That's why we, we compete with TCR and with WTCR with our i30N. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, from my point of view, perfect to bridge motorsport or, or, or to con- connect the dots, so to speak, and to connect motorsport with high-performance cars. So. Um, that's exactly where N comes from, from motorsport. Um, but if you ask me, the word rallycross is just um, it's just a series where we started our motorsport uh, activities. But touring car championship is for our customers mm-hmm. more tangible. Yes, because it comes from from uh, the i30, from from the Atlanta in the US market, and uh, I guess. This really makes sense to build an end to emotionalize mm-hmm. the brand uh, to uh, yeah to make some buzz to, to make it relatable. There's an old saying in the UK about touring cars, and that's win on Sunday, sell on yeah, Monday. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and, and that that seems to be happening. And you can also, um, if you have a look at the sales figures and the sales numbers, this um, uh, involvement in motorsport and also. The building of uh, of N uh, 
help selling cars in particular, also for our production cars. Yes. Our end cars are, are so to speak, uh, hot sellers. In each and every single market, when we started thinking about end volume, we, it goes beyond, you know. So, so we planned, for example, 5,000, and it turned out to be 15,000. So, uh, and at the very beginning, we were very, uh, I would say, conservative. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it turned out to be a phenomenal uh, effect. Much better result. to be that way around. So, at the minute, there's the i30 N, uh, the i30 Fastback N, yeah. uh, and then coming through now is the Veloster N. Uh, SUVs are very, very popular in, in Europe, around the world. Are you considering a, a Tucson N? Uh-huh. I think Santa Fe N might be pushing it, but this Tucson really, N? This is really a very, very uh, interesting question. And if I were you, I would do this. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, I would, let me put it this way, never say never. We are screening the market. We just started with the i30N, as you mentioned, and the derivative for the Fastback, and the Velostar is also very, very uh, popular in the US market. <coughs> so, uh, uh, and also in the Korean market, in our domestic market, but uh, we can be absolutely sure that we have something in the pipeline. It'll come at some point. But I'm, 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 I'm not uh, dropping any comments on. on not Corona or Santa Fe or something like this, but but you can, you may rest assured that we be considering things like this. I'm sure, sure. Uh, one other aspect that I, I was interested in asking about is the recent uh, tie-up and investment with uh, Rimac. Yeah. So I'm curious to know <clears throat> if that means that. There's two things. I think Herb Yeerman's maybe a better person to ask about one of them. But um, I'm curious to know if, if if that gives a glimpse that perhaps there's going to be uh, some form of Hyundai Halo vehicle, possibly uh, possibly the hybrid or, or EV. Would would that be something you might consider? Mr. Shamir and Yeerman was oh, fantastic. Very close to front. Absolutely. So uh, the question is again not bad it's absolutely right and and if you uh, think about uh, the involvement in in remark everybody mm-hmm. can think about it we invested 80 million this is uh, not a low investment this is a very high investment it was all over the place and everybody now is speculating how it's going to be uh, what do they have in mind uh, but for sure we are planning something so, so if you take a look at, at Porsche's uh, involvement in Remark, they needed some help uh, in terms of Taika, you know, to manage uh, the power and to control it. And, and Remark, from my point of view, they are a fantastic partner in putting things together and connecting the things. Back in the days, we at BMW said, this is all about the recipe, you know, this is not just... Uh, um, reaching out for, for a shelf and to, to put the best of the best parts together. No, this is about the recipe. The recipe is based on, on experience. And this is exactly what Remark also as a very young company really have. And that's why it was so interesting. They are fast, they are different. 
they put things into practice, they have very good ideas, they have a specific battery technology and when it comes to high performance uh, they are very clever and battery is a very important component. They uh, developed uh, specific engines for high performance uh, and the whole combination is very, very interesting. Yes. Fantastic. So, also here, I cannot confirm anything, but the way I'm talking about it, you know, that something is going on. Fantastic. Now, that, that's absolutely great to hear. I know that the, the N-Line, um, it's the N-Line, the N-Card, and also the N-Line spec, which has come out of it in the UK, is very successful. And, um, yeah, I hope it continues. I hope it continues that way. Yeah, it will. And, uh, and maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a twitchy PR person really, beside him. I should he's explain. He's maybe not, not really happy about it, but 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 let's let's talk about our our new our new our latest technology. Everybody knows that fuel cell is um, is discussed, is being discussed together mm -hmm. with Toyota as well. Toyota and us, we we have uh, the opportunity to offer cars to the market, and then fuel cell technologies all over the place and you know our our um, uh, executive vice chairman and owner of the company uh, Mr. Chong uh, is co-chair now for the hydrogen council and uh, we have been talking about some initiatives uh, a couple of years down the road and um, this is also a very interesting story we have to be in mind this is not a technology which was developed uh, for the wastebasket. We have no. absolutely clear plans, maybe to combine it, maybe to think about uh, ways to differentiate our mm. products from our competitors. And this is this is very very important. I, I know that the ACO were talking not just about in racing, not just in racing, not just in high performance, in high performance segment. The place. This, is, this is very important to utilize these advantages, these things, and to differentiate from our from our competitors. I was told, I was asking our encoder today, hey, by, by my former BMW colleagues, hey, do you really want to compete with our BMW uh, M6 GT3 or M4 GT4? I said we are even better than and even faster than the, the, the GT4C or the M4 GT4. Mm -hmm. This is amazing, but uh, if you compare uh, the BMW technology and Porsche with our technology, this is a completely different segment. Yes. We don't want to compete um, against these big boys in this technology, but, but when it comes to new technology, mm -hmm. uh, the advantage is not that big anymore. I would say we are not even on eye level, we are much better. If you take a look at our, our strategy, we are better. We are better now. And this is our advantage, and this makes me very happy uh, to look into a very bright future that, that our, our plans um, are really good Excellent. and promising. I'm so pleased to I'm so pleased to hear that. Um, I won't take up any of any more of your time, but Hershmir, thank you so much for your, thank you so much for your, uh, your giving up some of it today. It's been absolutely fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. So yeah, the so uh, 
uh, after that, I, I then felt I could have a beer or two and join in with everyone else. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and just as the, the afternoon turned into the evening, um, and, uh, and, and we'd had some dinner, we then headed out on the, um, on the great Brunchen expedition, uh, which is, is its official title, by the way, uh, to, to head out and to just see away from the, the more organized zones of the, the circuit, just, just what was happening. Uh, and once we'd uh, sort of dressed up in Mad Max friendly gear, had uh, refilled our, our, our beer packs <laughs> in preparation. Supplies. Uh, yes, yes. Made, made sure various supplies were, were variously topped up on. Uh, we headed out towards uh, Brunchen. And to just get a flavour of, of, of the just the the nuts atmosphere <laughs> to see these crazy I mean just unbelievable Mad Max oh just so by the early evening you go out and you go to these places and you you first of all we we you know we 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 sort of you park up a, a, as close as you can get now there are there are 60,000 parking spaces available uh, at the ring for people who were there, and and trust me, I, I don't know if they were all full, or if they were um, far, far away from anywhere anybody wanted to be, because everybody wanted to be uh, out in the wilds on on the Saturday evening. As as the sun came down, we passed through the golden hour, and you go out and you think, God, it's foggy, and then you realise it's not fog; it's wood smoke. Okay, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly that's what it feels like to the. Um, you know, the first time, first time the drivers are out and they're going around, they're like, "Whoa, why is it foggy here?" It's the temperatures and the, you know, it, it's not the right climate to be fog. And then all of a sudden they realise it's actually the smell of wood smoke because the whole place has this blue haze over it of <laughs> of people grilling sausages again. I know this is a theme. It, you it's and really your all about sausages. sausages, Alan. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, and God, German sausages are good. Uh, <laughs> um. But there's there's the wood smoke and the music and the the near impenetrable commentary uh, coming over the, the the loudspeakers around the track, and you're passing through these you know by all these these crazy as I say multi story constructions with disco lights with big TVs, um, uh, little generators running in the background uh, to to provide all the the power for all of this. It's as I say, I just this is one of the reasons why I have no idea what's happening in the race because the people watching are spectacular, <laughs> and there are some there are some quite Im- impressively drunk people. I mean, I'm not um, not the you know we're not talking rally Sweden levels of impressively drunk because there aren't as many Northern uh, Europeans and Scandinavians involved, but it's, <laughs> but the, 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 just the, 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 the beer mountains and the, the, these stacks of crates and, uh, and everything. It's just, just incredible. And where people and how far from where you can get a car, people have built some impressive constructions going right up against the, you know, right up near the, um, Near the safety fence, in some, in some cases, is is just nuts. And you've got the, 
that you've got the um you know you've got the cars coming around you've got stuff like the the, the bmw eight series coming around because the lights are yellow and they're making the right noises and they're coming round the corner and down the dip and up the next hill uh and they're not quite getting air but they're, they're not far from it yeah. and you know there's the occasion there are some dabs of oppo and and it, it's just the whole atmosphere is is spectacular um just the sound the smell the all these things we just I, I don't know how you can get this across via any medium. You definitely can't get it on photos. You, we, we can't necessarily get it on audio here. Um, I don't even think video would do it justice because, of course, you're still missing the, 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 that combination smell of, 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 of race cars and uh, race cars and sausages. And, and sausages. <laughs> yeah. Race cars and sausages and wood smoke. Uh, that, that's what it's all about. Well, excellent. So, uh, uh, so did, I, did, did, did you stay in the wilds or did you go? I didn't stay in the wilds. Many did. Okay. And were seen again, amazingly. <laughs> I mean, quite some period, some time later, in some cases of, 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 of some people we, we all, we all know and have heard of. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I didn't stay in the wilds. What they've actually got is, so we took, um, so the chaps from the events team drove us out there, uh, but because we were staying at the at the camping site, the camping on Nurburgring, then our wristband, which is the same for anyone else who's staying in the organised camping, uh, meant that there are shuttle buses that go round, so people could walk one way for however many miles they want to walk, uh, and then get a shuttle bus that would take them right the way back to the back to the campsite oh, okay. uh, right. again. So, I mean, the the logistics here are fantastic. I, I don't just mean from from our trip. I mean just generally. I mean, so you can walk from the campsite up to the stands and to all these bits. You can get buses. Um, the bus services they do wind down a bit during the night, uh, so you've got to be a little bit careful. Um, and I think there might even be a pause in the time they run, but. Uh, but yeah, there is logistics, and of course, you can walk right the way around the circuit if you're crazy enough. I don't know if you could. <laughs> so, was it still busy throughout the night, or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I went up to the the, the start, the back up to. I just wanted to see what it was like at night on the start finish straight with all the the floodlights and and the cars going past and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, and it was still pretty packed at midnight. Yeah. Well, I mean, I realised it was the, still busy. The the twenty four hour, hour you know, part of it is the fact that it goes overnight and all the rest of it. So that's, you know, of course people are going to to stay up. But I just wondered how many actually did, or how many flagged and then went. Actually, uh, I'm not going to make this, so I'm going off to bed. <laughs> well, we had access to a VIP sort of suite thing, so there was. Um, so there was tea and coffee and drinks and oh, okay. and food available all the way through, and then seats outside. Uh-huh. Uh, so you could you could sort of you were up high and you were just at the pit exit and stuff. Um, so so we 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 had that, uh, but there's also, but you know there's also other other seating a, a bit further down, and, and it was still packed. I think some people instead of maybe the. Um, uh, instead of maybe the camping, they decide that basically they're there. They they're going to take their bit in the stands, and that's where they they're going to be. Oh, okay. Um, uh, they, they do that instead of you know 
uh, yeah, instead of instead of camping somewhere, then maybe say, okay, right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come out, we're gonna do this, we're gonna stay up the twenty four hours, or just snooze if we can, mm-hmm. and then um, and then head back out in the uh, and then maybe head back to a to a hotel nearby to actually catch up on sleep, yeah, on, yeah. on the Sunday and stuff. So, or they've got a hotel nearby, and they go get it. Uh, so, so did yeah, you go and get some packed. sleep? I did eventually at about two o'clock in the morning. I, think okay. I went back and got some sleep. I went to my my cozy little bed in my cozy little teepee, uh, knowing <laughs> doing more to regain our sympathy and uh, <laughs> from the. Did I mention poor, the electric poor blanket? Poor Adam, uh, poor Alan, even and his 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 trials and tribulations and the these efforts and strains he goes to to bring us the 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 listener. His uh, these wonderfully, uh, wonderfully taxing and difficult moments. <sighs> yes, it turned into an interesting fortnight's worth of logistics to make all of this happen. But yes, so uh, we're also aware that I was also aware that on Sunday morning, then um, uh, not only did I have to drive later on on Sunday, but also uh, on Sunday morning, then we had uh, a little slot with uh, Albert Bierman. Okay. So, uh, formerly of BMW's M division and and figurehead behind the Hyundai N brand mm-hmm. and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so we had uh, a chance to have a bit of a chat with him and a bit of a question and answer session. Uh, this is a bit different from the 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 um, the interview with her Hershmira because this was far more of a press conference because. Funnily enough, everybody and their granny wanted to be at this one, uh, understandably. Um, than than an interview. Uh, again, there's all the atmosphere of the the suite above working pits with many people around. Lots of interesting questions about uh, about about him, about his background and his involvement with the Nurburgring Twenty Four over over many many years, uh, and uh, and about Hyundai and where the N brand might be going next. So yes, uh, here's a little bit of that. The track, yeah. I mean, for me, it's very unique. Uh, I come to Nürburgring now for like 55 years. I'm 62 now. Uh, my father, he came here every year, one or two times, just to watch racing Yeah, in the 60s. And uh, I remember races like in 65, 64. I, I remember yeah, when I was here with my two brothers and my dad. And I raced here myself. I also raced 24 hours and some endurance racing and so on. The old, old Nordsch life, the original. So, for me, and I was here as a race fan. Yeah, I mean, I was in the Südkehre, that doesn't exist anymore. That's where the Grand Prix track is now. But I was there as a teenager, yeah, with my buddies and making campfires and drinking tons of beers. And as soon as I had my driving license, I, I come here with my own car. And before, I was washing my brother's car for weeks. And he takes me to the Nürburgring race, right? So we had great parties here when I was a teenager or a kid. And, yeah, and then I decided, okay, I, I will build my own race car when I was a student. So I was racing here. It's part of my life. And this is the place. This is the most challenging track. Yeah? And uh, this, is, this is where you make good cars. Also the area around. And we are really happy that we can be part of this family with our test center here. Now we are expanding our test center. So we, we are happy here and we want to stay here. How did you 
describe driving the track? How did you? Hmm. Best roller coaster in the world. <laughs> Depends your on your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your favorite corner? My favorite corner. Yeah. <sighs> There's this section when you come to Hohe Acht. Then the fun starts. Wippermann, yeah, Eschbach, Brünchen, Pflanzgarten. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Were you scared the first time you drove it? First time you drove the circuit? A little bit. I had, I, my first car was a Volkswagen Beetle. So, yeah. So you I mean, probably. But I, I didn't spin it. I mean, I was already, a, but that car, I was a rally driver. I, did, I drove little rallies, so not, not like uh, any significant rallies. But uh, So I survived with my Beetle. But uh, soon after that, I borrowed my oldest brother's Audi uh, to prepare for my first race here. So I, from, I was studying in Aachen University, it's very close to here. So at that old time, yeah, you buy like a ticket for 10 laps. And I knew the guys, the, the controllers here, because from the racing, I, I knew the guys who were always checking the tickets. They were also checking my my ticket for 10 laps of Nordschleife. I think I got 15 laps of my 10-lap <laughs> ticket because they, they knew me for a long time. So, and, uh, okay, I killed the brakes and tires of my brother's Audi, but I knew the track. <laughs> and so, and after that, I mean, I, I had no serious issue on the Nordschleife. But there was this very short track in the good old time where you only go straight, Südkehre, the straight going back, and then the Betonschleife. 2.2 kilometers, and the sprint race was 22 laps. Yeah, and there I had some... This was sprint racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there I had some crashes sometimes. <laughs> when you are young, it just happens, you know. First or dead. That was kind of philosophy. <laughs> and so, sometimes first, sometimes dead. <laughs> Can I ask... Um it seems the Nürburgring is very much sort of ingrained within the end cars, you know, partly with the name as well. How do you feel the car reflects within the event, and how would you describe the event to someone that's never been? Yeah, I mean, end is basically kind of cradle. The Nürburgring is kind of the cradle for the end cars. Of course, we started with WRC, uh, but the link between the TCR car and the end car is very close. Uh, many things you have to use from the road car by regulation, and that gives a strong tie between race car and road car. And when we say we the road car is just for fun to drive at a reasonable cost, yeah, and for the heartbeat, and we don't care about lap times, yeah, because our TCR car. They care for lap time, and last year we won the world championship. So it's also taken care of of the lap times, but with a race car and not with a road car. Yeah, so it's that easy. <laughs> and if someone had never been to the Nürburgring 24 Hours, what would you what would you say to them to expect? How would you describe this event to them? Yeah, I would first I would recommend bring umbrella, rain boots, <laughs> and a warm jackets and shorts and sunscreen and sunglasses and sun hat. So and a lot of beer <laughs> and barbecue equipment. And yeah, and yeah, uh, be ready for great excitement, very emotional moments. And uh, yeah, make sure you go out to the campgrounds. Yeah. Get close to the track to enjoy the incredible sound of the cars, see the action, 
especially in the night when the cars come and they have the heavy braking zone and you see the brake disc glowing, you know, that is quite impressive in the night. Yeah. So, so, so there are great spots out there where you can get all this excitement. So, yeah, but that's typical 24 hours. Can I ask you a, a, a question about the um, i30N road cars? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows that the car was tested at the Nürburgring, which involved driving around, but I've been told that that was mostly to do with endurance testing, to make sure all the components could survive uh, in a place as demanding as the Nürburgring. Mm. Um, but, and a lot of the actual road handling characteristics were developed out on the roads. Yes, outside. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the development process and what specifically you look for when you're testing a car on the road to make it uh, more enjoyable to drive? Because that's one of the things that you were aiming for with the i30 was to make it fun rather yeah. than chasing laptops. Yeah, you have to try to find this balance where uh, on the road it's still acceptable and there are very nice challenging country roads out here. Yeah. So like really like typical bad roads, very challenging, high frequent, maybe not, yeah, we found even a spot where we think it's pretty much t- close to UK uh, roads, and, but then also the high speed driving, so uh, it's very important, and this we can do on the track, yeah. so uh, like the aerodynamic decision, how do we set up the aerodynamic balance, of course we have a, one of the best wind tunnels in Namyang. And you get tons of data, but the final decision uh, I made here in Nürburgring in areas like Schwedenkreuz, where you have high speed and you go over a little uh, crest and the car become light, and this is where your heart really starts beating because you are afraid, right? Yeah. And we want the car feel safe in such area and still enjoyable. So we made an aero balance where we put more downforce to the rear that even the young, unexperienced driver can enjoy going around areas like Schwedenkreuz without being scared to death, right? Yeah. And still have fun. And so this balance yeah, between yeah, racetrack, everyday sports car, cornering Ruskel, there's a nice piece of road here when you go to Firneburg, there's a little stretch, one kilometer, with four or five hairpins. So we have been there so many times with the limited slip tuning, yeah, the ELSD. And to match this with steering, with ESC, yeah, with the kinematics, stock steer, and all these kind of things. So, yeah, this is a nice place to work. Yeah. Were there, were there any components that you decided to change because of the way that it made the car react um, on the road? So, for example, you have the um, decisions to make about what specific tires to go for. So, do you? Is there any? Anywhere on the road that made, made, made you think, oh, we need to change this component on this car? No, we, we changed almost anything that matters for the i30N. It has not so much to do with the normal i30. The front axle is completely different. The rear axle has been modified a lot. The steering is a whole different system. So there's not much in common with the normal i30. It's a whole different car. Okay. So, and then we, we start setting this up in Namyang. Of course, we have also now a team uh, in uh, Rüsselsheim, but when we started with i30N, there was not a big team in Rüsselsheim yet, but already had a few guys uh, supporting, and so and the input for the right kinematics. So we, we had made a set of uh, front extra parts where we could uh, adjust in a short time different kinematic settings, so adjustable kinematics. Yeah, and the, but all the final decisions, uh, what is the final best uh, kinematics? It's such things we all decide here. 
Yeah. yeah. So we 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 we, had, we could change uh, caster camber everything it was adjustable on that setting. So and in 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 some joint sessions here with Korean engineers, European engineers, then uh, we, we finally freeze and find that compromise uh, where you get like good feedback, uh, acceptable level of stroke steer, the carving, yeah, from the differential. So that balancing that that happens here. And who has the final say? Because somebody might prioritize um, one specific behavior and another person might prefer something else. Yeah, but this is why we make the joint sessions. And of, I leave them alone for quite some time, but then at the end of the session, or like, yeah, still a few days remaining, I joined every loop of I30N and Veloster N and uh, to make sure the balance is what we thought it should be. Back to um, N, uh, quickly. Is there one specific thing you enjoy the most when you drive an I30N? What is the, what's the most fun aspect for you? Or one aspect that you're yeah. most For me, it's almost, uh, when I drive the performance car, the, the, the carving, you know? So you can really accelerate very early, and then the, when the limited slip like pull you through the corner, yeah? And so you can accelerate so early, yeah? And that's very enjoyable. Yeah, this is where you take the advantage, where you can pass the rear-wheel drive cars. Right. <laughs> What's your favorite mode in the um, i30N? Because you have different com combinations custom, of custom mode. What's what? What are your settings? Suspension, soft, everything, full power. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm too old <laughs> for the end mode on the suspension. <laughs> who, who is the end mode for? Who for our enthusiasts, they love it. Okay. This is what they need. Yeah. They love the end mode. I am, I love it too. But only for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go back to normal. <laughs> because I'm 62. When I was younger, I would like to be like this. You know, it's, they need it. So it's a car really built for enthusiasts. Yeah, just for fun. Well, I mean, N-Mode is probably not the fastest on, on the notch life. It depends on your driving style. I mean, but for normal guys, probably not. Yeah. The other modes feel more comfortable. You feel better load transfer, you get better feedbacks. But a good driver with M mode just going wild, yeah, it could be faster. <laughs> but I don't drive like that. When I'm evaluating cars, I, I never go that way. <laughs> the interesting reputation. I was here last year on this same trip. And back then, people knew what the M brand was. They, they knew the car mm -hmm. as you drive past. They're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Now it's even more so. The, the brand, the, the N brand, um, has quite a, lot, quite a big following here at the Nurburgring. So, where do you take it next? You know, beyond models, but oh. you know. Once you are established at Nordschleife, there's almost no other place to go. Yeah. You can't get any further than that. <laughs> because uh, many people come here with their cars driving the, uh, the uh, track days driving uh, in the weekdays on the weekends when there's a track day for private people they come here with their i30s and just drive around and enjoy their cars so the, our performance blue cars are really well known in this area now and they become almost kind of a reference now and so what what next i mean Veloster obviously is is a pacific product um and i'm not sure if you guys have decided to bring that into europe yet no not yet this is the first Veloster here the one in the 24 hours yeah 
um, because I know that it's got very good reputation. It has a very good reputation in America now. Um, yeah, it's a basically very similar car to i30 and mm -hmm. I mean the engine application is for the US mm -hmm. and it has a little bit different inertia mm -hmm. and aero setup is a little bit different uh, but it's it's a very fun car it's very nimble even even a little bit more agile than i30 n yeah. and uh, yeah I mean it's not uh, by accident uh, I pushed that we bring the, the Veloster TCR car here and race with i30 n TCR yeah. the original plan was just bring two i30 n said in Macau, we had a beer and said, why would we race 2 i 30 yeah, That's boring. Let's put the Veloster next to it and make our own race. Mm -hmm. That was the whole idea. But yeah, then we got the spark plug issue, so the race was already offset. Yeah, and then we had that big accident. And so we really never had a, only for the first hour or so, we, we really had a good race between mm -hmm. the two. Mm -hmm. And there was already a lap where the Veloster was faster than the i30N, but most of the laps the okay. i30N was faster. And so, and so next year, what do you bring? What for you the bring? race? Something uh, mid-engine? Yeah, I don't know yet. Uh, I mean, this this DCR car is uh, definitely a very good car for a Nürburgring. And this is not a normal Nürburgring here. Yeah, usually you have changing condition, wet, moist, dry, everything changing three, four, or five times during the race. And then with the I30N TCR or Velastro N TCR in such condition, you are really so fast compared to all these other big GT3 cars. On Friday, Peter, he was out and uh, he analyzed and he said at that time when he was out in the changing conditions, there were maybe 10 cars faster than him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> and last year when I wake up in the hotel, 5.30, I checked the table, timetable, and it was heavy rain. And in that car, I counted 12 cars faster than Peter <laughs> on the i30. So the full potential in this uh, yeah, almost boring condition, we, we cannot really see. Yes, better get the fire trucks out next year. Yeah, maybe next year we have some rain or changing condition. And then I think our cars can shine even more. But, and I mean, now we have really wonderful race cars, and it's, it has never been developed for endurance racer. It's a TCR racer, it's a sprint racer. But, okay, why not put it out here? Let's try. And, okay, last year we fixed some issues, and that's taken care of. Yeah, but, uh, okay, accidents. You cannot avoid accidents. You, you, there's no guarantee to avoid accidents. I mean, it happened to Andy. He's uh, probably the most experienced notch life driver you can imagine. He works for Nürburgring as an instructor here. And uh, yeah, it even happened with Andy, right? So that's a game here. So, and yeah, let's see for next year. We, we can have all kinds of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, as the auto industry as a whole is moving away from the internal combustion engine and also towards uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, what does that mean for you in developing performance vehicles in the long term? How do you see that? Yeah. yeah, there's a big hype nowadays, yeah, ride-hailing, ride-sharing. This is already our N ride-sharing program. We have four drivers on one car, <laughs> so we are going into these areas now with N, of course. We did this already a few years before, just kidding. Uh, now we are, clearly we, have a, we are working on autonomous and everything. And, uh, but this area of automotive excitement, that will never die. Yeah, that will always survive to some extent. Where, how, the future will tell. But we want to be part of that, to keep this alive. And of course, we have uh, 
hybrids, plug-in hybrids. We have wonderful battery electrics. We have maybe the best uh, fuel cell electric car. So at this point, so we are ready for the future. Uh, is that suitable for the racing? Could be for the 24 hours. Uh, at this point, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, for sprint racing, yeah, to set up a show like Formula E, you can set up a show. Yeah, it's nice, but that's not really like the true racing. Yeah, true racing like this with battery electric is I cannot see it, and also with fuel cell at this point, I can't see that. But is that because of uh, the sound, or is it because of what is the what what is the key problem? Because a lot of people would maybe want to push electric racing. So what what do you see as the key problem? No, I mean it's just the technology. I mean you to to run twenty four hours on this track, you need tons of batteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and okay, you can make a different kind of race where charging is part of the race. I don't know how exciting the battery charging is for the spectators, right? So, uh, as long as you put combustion cars against battery electrics, I mean, that, that, that makes no sense. Uh, but we are already uh, part of the ETCR. ETCR will be launched next year. There will be a few races next year. We are building our ETCR race car already and uh, in Alzenau and so we will take it out this year for the first time for testing and we want to be part of ETCR of course and that ETCR that's a different story that's a sprint race yeah and then yeah with uh, one charge of battery yeah you can also make a lot of fun with TCR cars and I believe you've just or you're making quite a big investment in battery production at the moment as a company um, is that a is that a difficult area to uh, to work in because there's maybe more basic R&D and science involved in developing the battery technology or is it uh, something that's a, an easier benefit if you like No, I mean you need to know what you do with your battery and motors and inverters and now we have a very high level of technology in a Kona EV yeah, car like that, Ionic EV in our efficiency of Kona EV is unbelievable. And okay, soon there will be dedicated EVs, but let's see if they can be so much more efficient than our like Kona EV, which is a derivative EV from the Kona, right? But uh, the technology level of our powertrain, electric powertrain, is pretty high. Mm. And also our battery technology is pretty high. And we are already working on the next generation battery technology, uh, which will come a little bit later. So we have a lot of understanding of technology. We are working on uh, hybrids, plug-ins, battery for a long time. And uh, now uh, we are extremely competitive when it comes to efficiency and also charging power. I mean, our cars out there, we already have very good charging power and uh, yeah, the efficiency is, is really good. And of course, we, we can use this also for racing, but that's a different game. Yeah? Then uh, your battery doesn't need to last for like seven, eight years or whatever. Yeah, you can yeah, challenge your battery a little bit more. Right? Throw it away at the end of the race. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you do like that. But for ETCR, I think we have to work also on some rules uh, that everybody doesn't go too crazy uh, yeah, with this because, yeah, there's always some risk coming with if you go too crazy. Uh, and, and will hydrogen continue to be a part of your future because you've been notable as a company in... Uh, 
producing hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, is that will that be a big part of your future? Oh yeah, we are investing now in hydrogen more than ever before. We are just building our second factory in South Korea for our hydrogen fuel cell system. So we make everything ourselves. It's all our technology, we fully control. And right now, yeah, almost every week, uh, other OEMs, uh, suppliers, many kind of business uh, knocking on our doors uh, for collaboration. Because we have a lot of experience already with our fuel cell technology. We know our stack, our fuel cell cars. We are already second generation now with Nexo. We are working on the third generation fuel cell stack. And so now we are working on scaling up next generation. So we have a very aggressive expansion plan for fuel cell. We have a wonderful pilot project in Switzerland for 1,600 fuel cell trucks in Switzerland. I think that's the first thing like that out there. So our first truck will, uh, yeah, I, will, I, can, I can check our first truck, I think, in September in our factory in South Korea, fuel cell truck. We are already running fuel cell buses for quite some time in Korea. So uh, we, we have a very good technology there. And it's just a matter of time that... Uh, for the bigger cars, SUVs, uh, like commercial, commercial, fuel cell will take over. And only the little cars, maybe, can be reasonable vehicles based on battery electrics. But all the bigger cars, sooner or later, depending on yeah, technology level in the different companies, uh, will switch to hydrogen. We think 2025, like a mid-segment car, CD-segment car, with like 350, 400 kilometers of electric driving range. At that point, we can be competitive with fuel cell. Price, performance, everything bigger, fuel cell. And there's no further technological breakthrough that you need to make or anything you need to change to, to, to be economical and it's already economical in 2025. Oh, oh of so course. The, 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 no, no. That is the current... No, no, that... To do that, we need our third generation, but we already know pretty much what it will be, and we need to scale up. We need economy of scales. With the current uh, volume, we can't go to that point, but we are aggressively ramping up now, because we, we cannot meet the demand. We could sell much more Nexus than uh, we can produce this year. Next year, we will more than double already. Still not enough, I'm sure. So, And now we go in other areas with fuel cell technology. Not only vehicles, all kind of companies... Uh, yeah, want, want fuel sets. Yeah. You were talking a moment ago about how other companies are coming to you for your technology rather than you, you know, buying in technology from other companies. And it seems you have a model, generally speaking, that is much more vertically integrated than mm. other car companies. You're yeah, that's, doing much that's true. Companies. That's a lot. Yeah. Why does that work for you as a company when it doesn't seem to work for other because we are a Korean company, we have a very strong network of sister companies in Korea and uh, the very competitive, very good spirit yeah, to, be, to be better and better permanent improvements and uh, this works on all levels of integration. So we are developing right now new transmission for the end cars, not only for the end cars and we, we do all this ourselves. So uh, we, we are not so much depending on suppliers like others and that gives a lot of advantage you can be much faster yeah and all your learnings make you better every every development you do from scratch you, you learn a lot 
the whole uh, electronically controlled limited slip differential. That's our whole own development. And uh, yeah, in the beginning I was still a little bit doubting if we can make it in time. And now I'm more than happy with what we could achieve in a pretty short time. You know? So, and that learnings we can we take into other cars. I drove already other cars with a whole different concept with that limited slip differential in there. And uh, so the magic can go to other cars easily. Or like making other cars. We have all-wheel drive cars. And we fully control the all-wheel drive applications and everything. And uh, yeah, to, to get cars with all-wheel drive, get them drifting and all these kind of things. We, I don't need to wait for suppliers when they have the time and pay them a lot of money. Yeah, I call my all-wheel drive application engineer and we go out 10 minutes later on the track and well, we, we, we work on the, on the drifting and what is the right way to go. And one hour later, he knows what to do, where we go. All right? We work like that. So the next i30N will be all-wheel drive and have a drift mode. No. <laughs> no, for our power level, we don't need any oil, right? That would be too boring. Maybe. That's coming in the Santa Fe end, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, we have other brands, and they have powerful engines in all drive. So. Actually, your next generation of batteries are on the horizon. What's the energy density that we'll see with your next generation batteries? Oh, I cannot disclose that. But there's a, it's not a revolution. It's, it's an evolutionary step. It's a step, yeah. yeah. It goes up, still. Yeah. Does it go up for a long time? I don't know. But there's still potential in there. Because yeah. there's obviously there's, there's a lot of potential ground to, you know, there's a lot of potential progress to make in battery energy density, but, but the rate at which we can do it seems to be quite unclear. It's evolutionary steps. It's not like you make an improvement of 15% or something in one step. Those times are over, I think. And of course, there's a big talk about solid-state batteries. So many, people, so many people talk about it. When can it be available for mass production? that you also can make some money on it, that's a whole different story. To put a solid-state battery in a car just to showcase, make a nice marketing story, oh, that can happen soon. Maybe some, company, maybe some company might even do it. But that's not our game. We, we work for customers, not for storytelling so much. Can I ask one? Herb Beeman, you've spoken an awful lot about endurance. You've talking, spoken an awful lot about the Nürburgring 24. There is one other 24-hour race that people really, really have in their imagination, and that's Le Mans. Are there any, um, any aspirations for Le Mans, perhaps? No, no, not I, no. There's nothing going on with Le Mans. I mean, we are part of the rules-making now for the hydrogen uh -huh. uh, racing. ACO, they want to go hydrogen racing in 24 or 25, I don't know. Uh, they asked us to support because we know a lot about hydrogen technology uh, in our car. So we, we, we are supporting that, that working group, but that's it. We have uh, no plan to, to join. Okay. And it's not that easy with hydrogen. You, if you go racing with hydrogen, you, you need to protect it. You have to make like a one-meg racing or you have a, to have a very strong BOP. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. 
you cannot race with hybrids together or something. Yeah. So it's 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 in the physics and the and the chemistry of of the uh, fuel cell technology. Okay, uh, well, it's another fascinating chat. Uh, as you say, there's the atmosphere in the background. Um, so, what did you what was the, what did you take from that from the conversations with <laughs> Mr. Beerman? Uh, well, the hydrogen part was interesting, and the um, the definitely not mentioning Le Mans part was was interesting as well. <laughs> so, uh, I, which I think is is going to be yeah, I think that that, that I, I don't know if it's telling or not in in that part, uh, but I think it's a case of let's see what's going to happen in the. In, in the future really okay um but yeah just his enthusiasm and his this isn't a this isn't a something he feels Hyundai are doing for the sake of doing it I, I think there's an awful lot of doing it because he loves it and he believes that it's important for the it's important for vehicle development so stuff like the previous generation i30s running the n running the i30N drivetrain and, and front essentially front end as part of the testing for that yeah. was was intriguing. And that's, that's the kind of... Uh, and so there's all sorts of things going on. So it's not just about racing. It's also the ultimate way to make sure that, that road cars are going to work by literally taking road car stuff and, and shoving it out on track for 24 hours <laughs> around what's acknowledged to be one of the toughest circuits in the, in the world. I mean, it's 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 a bit... It's a bit more than just let's rent it for a day and run run some uh, prototypes around it. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's 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 uh it's testing in in plain sight. Okay, cool. So, what happened with the rest of the day? You stay to the end and wave them all in. And I then... didn't stay to the end. I, I wandered around, explored a bit more. Um, uh, just sat and watched the race for a while. To be perfectly honest, uh, from the stands because I was a little bit tired. Oh, a little bit tired. Bless oh. you. Uh, so so yeah so it, it's packed up and, and 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 shifted the car so that the events folk could take down the campsite of awesomeness. Um, but I had to drive to Switzerland afterwards. Okay, uh, I still had another couple of hundred miles of drive or hundred and twenty hundred and fifty miles worth of driving uh, to do that that evening, so that I could be in I could be where I needed to be. Uh, by the Tuesday, and actually get some work done uh, on the way as well. So, um, so I had to head to Switzerland. So I, I left a bit early. So the race finished about three o'clock, and I, I beetled off just after lunch at maybe half past one to try and be ahead of the the queues and queues uh, that I could imagine leaving the circuit to head for the auto the the autobahn. And sure enough, as I was listening to the radio later on uh, in the car, or I could could see the 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 things. So were the the matrix signs. Saying that there were long delays later on, I knew I'd I knew I'd made the the right uh, the the right call there. Okay. Um, but something really nice happened as I was leaving. So I uh, I went back to to get my car from the the car park. What I had a pass for. I just there was nobody around when I arrived, so I just arrived and I kind of parked just parked i tried to park neatly but i I parked and i just yeah. put my pass in the window and all the stuff that you meant to do and so i, I and i went in and i put my stuff in the car and sat, sat down all the usual stuff and i was just leaving and the car park guy came over sort of waving his arms at me to stop and i thought oh goodness what unspoken rule have i broken you know, is, <laughs> what is my have pass, i done now <laughs> what have i done is 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 the pass on the wrong side of the windscreen um you know it's it, 
I don't want to sound like I'm falling back on stereotypes, but it is Germany here. Passing the wrong side of the windscreen. Am I wearing the wrong color shirt for a, for a Sunday or, or any of these things? <laughs> Was I not made to be parked here at all? If so, tough luck because it's a bit late. Uh, and he came over and I put down the window and I said, hello. And what he said to me was, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming all this way to the Nürburgring. It's so good of you to go to all the effort. And I really hope you've you've enjoyed the race and your time here. Uh, and you have a good and safe journey home. Hey, hang on. Hang on. We, we, do, we can't cope with that as Brits. And I was kind of taken aback. And it was just like, oh, thank you so much. And that kind of... I don't know if I've really talked about it, but that kind of welcoming and people just saying it being about having a really good time from someone who could just have sat there and sort of raised a hand if he even wanted to bother doing that to to this British registered car that was that was leaving the car park was really, really nice. Uh, And that to me at that moment, that kind of summed up just how I'd felt all weekend, just how how darn nice everyone was. So so, well, you. Good job you were speaking to me later in the week then to knock that out of you. Well, exactly. No, it's all right. I had to go to Switzerland and see clients. That knocked it out of me pretty quickly. <laughs> that's not true, clients. And that just kind of summed it up. And that summed up just how awesome the weekend had been and how just great everyone had been um, and and why it was, was so much fun. And I, I just wonder if you would get that same attitude and that same acknowledgement at, at other large and significant races and whether or not the Nürburgring 24 has now ruined me for going to any of the others well maybe we shall try and find out next year uh possibly it's, uh, it's up against I, I, a high a high benchmark now wherever you it go. is up against an incredibly high benchmark and everyone was saying yeah I've been, and there were lots of people who were saying well yeah i've been to I've, I've been to le mans as well and i much much prefer the Nürburgring because le mans is such a thing and the Nürburgring isn't yet he okay. says Says person encouraging everyone to go to the <laughs> Nurburgring Twenty Four, uh, but uh, but it was it was just the most fantastic weekend. And and what's great about it, I think, is that you can go because you're really interested in the racing and the cars, mm. and you really want to watch the cars, and you really want to get close to them, and you really want to go to the pits, and you really want to see the technical side of it, and you want to watch everything that's going on. And you want to just watch the racing, or you can go and you can just enjoy the festival that happens to have a race going on around it, or you can do a bit of both as much as you want with no obligation to do one or t'other. And it was, it was so cool. It's just one of the coolest things I've ever ever been to. It does sound very um, awesome, and I really would encourage people uh, to 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 head for it if they can, and at least add it to the list of considerations of stuff you're going to do. Uh, this summer cool really i've got to say thanks to folk now haven't i you do by the sounds of it you have to say some very big thanks thanks. yes (laughs) i have to say some massive thanks to uh to the folk from hyundai uk uh to tash robin laura and the events team on site for just arranging it and 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 doing it and and just helping us have a fantastic time uh thanks to everyone else who was there by the way all the other members members of the press uh which and other associated ideas uh, and content creators who were there. Everyone was fantastic company uh, and just really good. It was cool. Uh, thanks also to um, Hershmira and her, her, her beerman for giving up some of their time when they were really trying to watch the race and drink beer and 
I don't know about eating sausages, uh, but they, they may well have done some of that as well. Um, there as well, and, and, and yet, because they were working, had to give up some time uh, for us as well. It was, it was very, very kind of them uh, to do that. Mm. If you want to hear about my drive back, then that's uh, that's one of the blog posts uh, about my inadvertent road trip on our website at motoringpodcast.com. There's a link right, uh, there's a link to the story right there on the front page if you want a bit more about me coming back from there because I came back via Switzerland and France and, and, and what felt like just about everywhere uh, by the end of the week, um, which was pretty cool. Excellent. Uh, so, yes, uh, that rounds us up. So don't forget, folks, that between now and the next Nurburgring 24, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing, because it really does matter. Uh, Andrew, if people wish to commiserate with you on the fact that you couldn't join me on this this, this wonderful this wonderful trip, uh, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more about sausages from you, what is the best way for them to do that? <laughs> oh, that was just too easy, wasn't it? I, I led up to that one. Uh, yes, the best way, uh, if you, you wish to con- compare Currywurst with me, uh, is really via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-O-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.